What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 47 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host for today, Brad Roland, and joining me, the co-host of Always, once again, his name is Carlos Colazzo. What's up, man? What's up, Brad? I feel like we should just go ahead and make sure our titles are both co-hosts at this point, because I really don't know who's in charge of hosting the show, nor do I really care, so... uh yeah, we're going, we're going we're going back and we're going back and forth in terms of uh, actually, and by hosting I mean really just saying the first sentence of the podcast. That's basically <laughs> the only thing that actually changes. Uh, this is a very conversational podcast. Also, before we before we get started, I want to apologize for some of the audio stuff the last couple of weeks. Um, Carlos told me to blame it on him, but yeah. I refuse to do that. So no. uh, we we messed up the last couple of weeks. And I think we haven't sorted it out at this point in time. So uh, I apologize for that. Hopefully you guys have stuck with us and are giving us a shot so that you're actually listening to this right now. Uh, but hopefully that'll be fixed in the future. And if it's ever bad again, yell at Carlos by himself. Yeah, for sure. The, none of it's Brad's fault. I uh, definitely think we've sorted out the issue though. And also someone told me that I needed to drink a five hour energy before the podcast. Apparently I have a very uh, monotone voice or I just sounded tired. So I apologize for that. Hopefully I'm a little more peppy tonight. I've got some Mountain Dew with me, so maybe that'll work. Also, my Tar Heels are coming off a giant win over State, so that should get me excited as well. Yeah, I mean, part of it's probably because we recorded a couple times at like you know midnight on a Sunday night, so that can probably take a little bit of wind yeah, out of your sails. A little know. earlier tonight, it's eight forty-five Eastern time as we record this, so it's <laughs> uh, it's prime it's prime time. We're ready to go here, and uh, lots to get to. Even though there's not really anything to get to, we have we have a lot to talk about because we uh, made up some stuff to talk about. So yeah, and before, it's January, man. Before we jump into that, I think we might even be able to have like we should do a little poll to decide who's going to be the host, and then one person just based on the results of the poll. One person can just like call themselves the host, and the other person will have to be the co-host. I think that'll be it's fun. gonna it's gonna be you, but okay. I don't, we I don't do know that. about that. You had a, a long period of time where it was just you hosting this bad boy. So, plus your follower counts way higher than mine. You're you're a much more popular guy. Here we go. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> if you guys if you guys want to have if you want to pick in the in the, uh, in the actually uh, Carl Carl probably just put the uh, poll in the in the next post for this podcast if he's so, if he so desires but if you have strong feelings as to whose voice you want to hear first uh, please let us know that and we'll do uh, whatever we feel like doing to to accommodate <laughs> Uh, anyway, there is ba- there is baseball to talk about uh, on this fine Sunday evening. Uh, I guess the first thing we could talk about, aside from Billy Joel playing a concert at SunTrust Park, oh, which man, a lot of people Joel. were upset about for some reason. Um, yeah. You know, Billy Joel can sell out. A, he can sell out a, a ballpark. That's kind Does of he my still take do that? Uh, I, I guess. I, I think heard. I'm pretty uh, sure it's sold out already. Wow, I'm surprised. I, I've heard uh, from several people that Billy Joel doesn't really have it anymore in live performances, but I, mean, I believe that been around for forever. Uh, I don't really know too much about Billy Joel, but I mean, I don't care as long as it's not Lady Gaga. I'm fine with it. Yeah, so that's uh, you know we have that down as something to talk about. I'm not going to talk about that, (laughs) but uh, there there you go. Billy Joel's playing concert at SunTrust Park. Yeah, sorry Um, if you're really passionate about Billy Joel. Yes, my my apologies to the Billy Joel fan base out there on this uh, again on this fine Sunday night. But uh, first, actual topic that we want to get to: Freddie Freeman. Got some uh, big-time love from ESPN's Buster Olney this week. Uh, Buster came out with a top-10 list of first basemen in all of Major League Baseball, and Freddie Freeman was, spoiler alert, number one on said list. That really surprised me. Uh, but before I talk about what I think about it, Carlos, were, were, were you okay with this? Was it, were, do you think this is kind of aggressive to have Freeman number one, or were, you know, how are you feeling about this? Uh, yeah, I was surprised like you, and... Uh, I think it was a little aggressive. Before I dive too much of this, I just want to say uh, to all the people who think we're really pessimistic about the Braves, um, I don't think we are. I just feel like we're pretty realistic. But uh, I feel like this was a case of 
maybe Buster getting a little excited about Freddie's career year, which is certainly something that uh, that he's able to do and that he can do. And I guess moving forward, you you would expect him to to hit better than uh, I guess his 2015 and maybe even 2014 season. I guess if you think this is a turning point for Freddie, uh, this is fine. I assumed it was going to be Anthony Rizzo, just because he's. Uh, I mean, he, it seems like he's the best defensive first baseman in either league uh, by a wide margin. He's got all the offensive numbers to go along with that. He's 27, along with Freeman. Uh, I was kind of expecting a Rizzo, Votto, then maybe a Freeman or a Miggy or even Paul Goldschmidt, but all those guys are in the top five. Uh, so I don't really. I mean, it's I'm not too picky about it. Um, I, I think you could make an argument easily for several of these guys to be the top first baseman. If it was me, I'd probably put. Rizzo at the top. Uh, I mean, either Votto, Goldschmidt, or Freeman at second, I really wouldn't care. But I feel like Rizzo's kind of the top guy. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I was surprised, to be honest. Uh, it was kind of funny. Some, some Braves fans pointed this out to me that uh, Freeman was not even in the image for the post. Yeah. And he was number, he was number one on it's the like, list, which is kind of weird. I didn't um, even notice that, and I just – I, I didn't either. Like, somebody like somebody Braves, told me. Braves fans love to get as mad as they can about anything that like MLB or ESPN can do to slight the Braves in any way. Like your guy is the number one player on the list. That's the entire purpose of this post. I'm sure Buster had nothing to do with the actual image that was selected. And to be honest, all the other guys in that image are more national, like bigger national stars than Freeman. So I had no problems with that. It's not a big deal. But if you yeah, want to pick some mitts, I guess that's one you can pick. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. You know, Rizzo is interesting in that I don't trust his bat as much as some okay. other people do. But but his defense is, uh, as you said, is very good. Uh, first base defense doesn't really matter that much to me. Um, but, you know, the, the difference between Rizzo and, like, Miggy is, like, leaps and bounds because Miggy's an awful defender mm-hmm. by any by any stretch. Um, so I actually would think, personally, I would go with Votto, I think, at number yeah. one. Uh, I'm probably in the tank for Votto more than most people would be, but I just love everything about Votto. Um, Goldschmidt also is very, very good. I think uh, even in the post, I don't want to give the whole thing away because we, so we won't break everything down. It is in ESPN Insider, but I do want to read one portion of it just to explain Buster's reasoning. He says, if you rank the top five first basemen according to career resume, Freeman would be number five. If you rank them according to to the trajectory established in 2016 and what they be, and what they could be expected to produce in 2017, Freeman is number one. Yeah. So, you know, your point about resume is definitely true. I think this is a bit of an overreaction, but he was comfortably the best player on this list uh, last year, even though Rizzo finished obviously higher in MVP voting and all those things because the Cubs were good and the Braves were not. Um, but Freeman was the best first baseman in Major League Baseball last year if you go by the war numbers, and I, mean, I think that's actually was pretty true. I think that says a whole lot about how, how good his season was because Joey Votto finished with like a 434 on base percentage. That's insane. Um, yeah, like, I mean, he had a terrible first, uh, start to the season like Freeman did, but the numbers that Votto put up in the second half and really, uh, yeah, I guess it was entirely the second half. I mean, those were insane. So, I mean, big yes. ups to Freddie Freeman for being at the top of this list and, uh, thanks yeah. to Buster for, uh, recognizing him, I guess. Yeah. Shout out to Buster only, uh, for creating some content for us to talk about. I guess here's oh. my question. Maybe this. Maybe you've already answered this because you you said you're a little skeptical about the bat. But if you if you could take Anthony Rizzo and swap him for Freddie Freeman, would you do that or would you stick with Freeman? Um, hmm, that is weird. <laughs> That's uh, what I do on this podcast. Just make it weird for you. No, it's it's a good question. I'm I'm trying to think of who's younger. Who's younger right now? 
They're I, both well, 27. I, I don't know what the okay, months are. I can look up real age. quick while you think about it. It doesn't matter. I mean, if they're the same age, it doesn't really matter to me. I, I think I, I'd probably take Rizzo in a vacuum. Obviously, that would be a weird uh, thing to do, um, given that they're both very important to their teams. But all things equal, I think Rizzo is probably the guy I'd rather have yeah, the defense is definitely what it is. He also has more raw power than Freeman. I think Freeman's approach is a little bit better at, in certain ways, and uh, he is—he does have a longer track record. Rizzo kind of came up later than Freeman did, um, but still, you know, both these guys are really good. I think you're nitpicking either way, but yeah. I think there's there's some safety in in Rizzo's power and his defense that I probably take in a slight thing. I'm sure this is not going to help me uh, in terms of people who think that we're too negative, but Freeman's awesome. I just think Rizzo might be a touch better. I don't know. It's close. So if you were wondering about their age, uh, Rizzo is basically one month older than Freeman, so pretty much so, neg- right so, so negligible. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's about as close as it possibly can get. And listen, I don't fully buy that Freeman from like June through September of last year is that guy. But if he is, then we're then I'm wrong because if he's if he's suddenly the guy he was from June on, then he's the best first baseman in the league. Mm-hmm. I just not sure. I I'm not sure I fully buy that. But maybe even if he's not reaching that that sort of uh, baseline again, he he could still be comfortably worse than that. Still be better than his career averages. And if that's the case, then it might tick in his direction too. Yeah. I like Freddie a lot. It is what it is. <laughs> I want to say that again. I'm a big fan of Freddie. But uh, you're gonna get crucified for this one. I am. There's no question about that. But alas, uh, Freddie's good, and so is Anthony Rizzo, and so is Joey Votto. And I think it was a uh, former Talking Chop editor and a friend of the podcast, Ben Deronia, who said he he actually would put Goldschmidt number one on the list. Yeah, I, I would have put him number one if this if basically if his 2016 season hadn't happened. It was not a not his best season. Yeah, if you asked this question a year ago, I'm he probably would have been like unanimous number one. Yeah, probably. Like he's been incredible so. for a couple years before I mean, that. Just the speed he has, the defense he has. I mean. He's just as good a hitter as these guys, I think. I think he'll bounce back, but it makes you uh, wonder. He's a little older as well. I think he's like 29, 30. Something like that. Um, but yeah, without looking, I don't want to don't want to take it take us down too deep in the ball in the Paul Goldschmidt rabbit hole. But uh, all those guys are good, and uh, Freeman's very good. So uh, the other thing I wanted to get to before we move on to some trade rumorish stuff uh, is you actually wrote a piece about Matt Whistler this week that got yeah. a lot of reaction. I wrote I wanted, about baseball. I wanted, I wanted to tee you up to talk about it a little bit. Uh, I'm going to get out of your way here and talk about Matt, Matt Whistler and what you found and encourage people to go read that. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, I basically, I've wanted to write about Matt Whistler's slider in detail for probably a month now, just because ever since I saw him pitch the first time, uh, in 2015, I actually watched his debut, um, his slider just uh, stuck out to me, and I'm I was pretty sure that it was his best pitch this season. But I didn't get to watch him as much as most of the people at Talking Chop, just because I had to watch the Padres for most of the summer. But I did catch him a couple times, and both times I watched his games, uh, he pitched well, and his slider looked really sharp in both those outings. So I kind of just wanted to dive into what his pitches looked like, and and whether he improved in his other areas, or if it was basically just his slider that was allowing him have the the little success he did find last season and basically what I found was um as far as uh strikeout percentage swing strike rate uh outside the zone swing percentage and contact rate all those numbers for his slider improved pretty markedly in 2016 um he increased the usage of that pitch which is something that I kind of wanted to see after seeing that pitch initially but he pretty much has nothing to go along with that pitch. I know a couple people in the comments wondered about his fastball being average to above average. The velocity of that pitch alone is average, major league average for a starter. It might even be a tick above average 
but it's just such a flat fastball, and the difference between this four-seam and two-seam isn't really enough to kind of uh, get hitters off balance. Uh, and then he was throwing curveballs and changeups like less than 10% of the time, which really made him a two-pitch starter, uh, and neither of those pitches were effective when he did throw them. So pretty much the, the uh, conclusion I came to is Whistler needs to figure something else out unless he's going to take a, a pretty significant step forward with his command. Um, and I don't see that happening at this point. I mean, maybe he can improve it a little bit, but but to improve to the point where you don't really need to add a third pitch to keep hitters off balance would be really surprising to me. Um, so basically, we just need to figure something out. Ideally, it would be a change-up. Uh, and I know Ivan talked about this a little in the comments. A lot of it has to do with his, his pitch mix and how he's using pitches to set up uh, his slider and his fastball and vice versa. But we need to see something different from Whistler next year. And uh, I'm never going to bet on Whistler to have a sub 3.2 ERA like I did last season before the year started with you on this podcast. Yes, you did say that. Uh, that did not prove <laughs> to be the case. Uh, he finished with a 5.00 ERA. That's a little, uh, a little bit, a little bit better than that in fifth and XFIP. <laughs> if you want to take some uh, take some solace in that, but yeah, I mean Whistler was somebody we talked about a lot on the show. But that's a piece is worth reading and kind of outlines where some struggles have been happening and what he could look like in an ideal scenario. Um, I'm still pretty skeptical that Whistler's going to be anything. And uh, there was some stuff about, you know, as we transition into trade rumors here, there was some stuff out there about uh, him and Aaron Blair being like actual pieces of a trade for a, a for a fairly famous and good baseball player. And that made me laugh. Um, it was this notion that those two guys would somehow get that deal done. And that gave me a good chuckle. And I'm sure <laughs> a, a lot of a lot of Braves fans felt the same way I did when it was it was sort of a casual mention by someone who's not affiliated. With, it was not a local writer. It was some it was a, a writer, a professional writer but not one that was a, a, a local person and might not have known that both Whistler and Blair had kind of disastrous years last year. Um, yeah. But still, uh, kind of out there that he could be on the trade block, but even if he's not, uh, I think he's, there's a pretty decent possibility that he's in, he's in AAA next, uh, for a lot of 2017, and that's a weird thing for a guy who just spent you know most of the last two years in the rotation. It's very very strange. Yeah, I would be very sad if he's in AAA for most of the year. I've invested way too much time thinking about it his might slider, happen. So. It might well, happen. It's Listen, a real possibility. He's, he's not one of the best five pitchers on the roster. I promise you that. <laughs> at least, at least right now, if everybody's healthy, he's not in the best five. I, I can, I can tell you that with a pretty, pretty big time confidence. I can't wait for him to just have a bounce back year and prove you all wrong. Well, the thing is, even if he has a bounce back year, he has to get in the rotation at some point, and it will probably, probably require one of the veterans that they signed slash traded for to sort of tank or get hurt because. Unless you think he's going to beat out Mike Fulton Davis, which he's probably not going to do, <laughs> uh, there's not really a spot there for Whistler or Blair. I mean, if you like Blair better than Whistler, those two guys are around, but you have five, at least in my mind, pretty established yeah. starters unless something goes wrong. Once Copy trades Julio Tehran for Ian Happ, uh, then a spot will be opened up in the rotation. So that's how he's going to do his innings. That would be a trade. That would happen, maybe. <laughs> Anyways, uh, check out that Whistler piece if you want. I'm pretty sure someone in the comments uh, accused me of – this being a, a subtle jab at Frank Red and Jordan Schaefer, I can promise you that was not the case. But things got weird as they tend to do in the Talking <laughs> Chop comments. <laughs> yes, they did, and I, we we love we love all of you that comment. Uh, let's try to keep things down the middle as much as possible. <laughs> but uh, we we do appreciate the interest level. I'm sure. Um, oh, definitely. Uh, all right, moving on from there, we can talk a little bit about second base and sort of infielders that the Braves have been linked to over the last week or so. Um, you know, four names really that have come up. Uh, the first one being, actually, I'll just read them all to you now. Trevor Plouffe, Aaron Hill, Brian Dozier, who is easily the best player on this list, 
and Brandon Phillips, uh, who who reportedly this week, I'm not sure when this when this transpired, but what reportedly uh, blocked a trade that would have sent him to Atlanta, which is a very very weird story. Um, so I don't know. How do you want to how do you, you want to tackle this here? Like, I guess we need to get Phillips out of the way first. Yeah, I mean, let's just talk about Phillips. He's he's the most famous guy. He's not the best player on this list, but he's yeah. from Atlanta. Um, he people people seem to like him and know him around the Braves and the Braves fan base. So. Um, that's, that's the report is that he blocked the trade. Uh, Phillips is not very good anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty comfortable in stating he's also 35 years old, which is not young for an, for an infielder and a middle, a middle infielder at that. But, um, were you surprised that the Braves were interested? Even if, I mean, I'm kind of skeptical that this, that, that this actually happened yeah. to be honest with you. Um, but if we just believe the reporting, it was from a credible source. I believe it was Ken, Ro- Ken Rosenthal of Fox sports that reported this. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, yeah. So that, that's a credible source for sure. So I'm not <laughs> saying that it's not true. It's just. Very odd that the Braves would go out and trade anything of value for Brandon Phillips right now. Yeah, I'm just confused about the timing of this because several people uh, commented that Brandon Phillips probably declined this trade because he was concerned about um, uh, Sean Rodriguez uh, and him not getting playing time because Sean Rodriguez was on the team. And then I also heard a few other people uh, mention that this trade got declined before the Braves acquired Sean Rodriguez. Can't even say his name right. But uh, the timing of this definitely would, would impact what I thought about it. At this point, with the roster currently constructed, I don't really know why you would go after a guy like Phillips unless they were eating a lot of his $14 million that he's owed in 2017 and the return wasn't that great. I mean, last season he was worth just under one win above replacement. He had a, he was 8% worse than league average uh, offensively, and uh, Steamer projects him to be worth just one win above replacement next season. Um, the power that he had earlier in his career is kind of dipped at this point. He's 35. Like you said, he doesn't have the speed that he used to have. Um, by all accounts, he's kind of an iffy clubhouse guy. If you care about that stuff. So I wasn't really interested in the Braves going after Phillips and bringing him in, but I feel like that was kind of the consensus on Braves Twitter, at least from my perspective. What did you think? Yeah, there were a few people that actually liked the idea. I think that's more, more the casual fan that just recognizes his name and that he's, uh, re- re- I mean, he, he used to be quite good. Um, so there's no there's no question that he was at one at one point one of the better second men's been in the league, and he's a local product. So I get it. But yeah, it's not something that su- super interests me. Uh, the timeline stuff that you mentioned is important, and that um, it doesn't make any sense now given the presence of Rodriguez, and of course you still have Jace Peterson, and you have Ozzy Albies consider you know presumably coming up in the relatively near future. So uh, blocking him with a pure second baseman, and which is I think Phillips is. You would need that guy to be a sizable upgrade on what you already have to, for that to make sense, and I'm not sure that he's even that. I mean, he's probably better than Jace Peterson, but by how much? I wouldn't say very much. Mm-hmm. I mean, Peterson's a better defender. There's no, there's no question about that. Um, the bat, obviously, you'd lean towards Phillips, but um, I don't think the, I don't think the gap is big enough to justify acquiring a guy that's making a lot of money and isn't and isn't locked down long term by any means. Yeah, it's one year of control, and it's really fun to go look at a. Uh... Brandon Phillips' uh, war graph on fan graphs. Uh, basically, after 2011, it goes straight downhill, aside from <laughs> one little blip on the radar in 2015 when he hit a 2.7 war. But well, it makes sense though. He's, yeah, he's old guy. Yeah, that's when he got to his 30s, and like you know, you play second base. It's not it's not exactly a non-taxing position. Like mm-hmm. you have to you know, you have to be athletic and do certain things there. That you it makes sense that he would decline with age. Um, and not, that's not a shot at Brandon Phillips. Like you know, he's been good and he's been good in Major League Baseball for quite he's some been time in the but, since 2002. And uh, Carlos, I'm scared to ask this question. What were you doing in 2002? In 2002, I was probably in the third or fourth grade. I was eight years old, so. 
Yeah, I was a junior. I, I was, was a junior third in third grade. I, I remember Brandon Phillips. Um, I remember actually watching Brandon Phillips play baseball uh, in high school, which is a weird thing to say, but uh, he played against my high school. When I was I was in middle school when this happened. See, but you remember Brandon Phillips being a high school baseball player in Washington. I do. Brandon Phillips, you're an old, you're an old man. Uh, yeah, I am an old man. There's no question about that in comparison to you. But yeah, that's just a long time. I mean, 2002 is uh, most of the hey, most of the players on the Braves roster were in high school at that point. Shout out to Brandon Phillips for having a 14 year major league career. That is definitely not easy to do. For sure, uh, uh, we can move off from Phillips. Uh, other names that are not that are less sexy. Uh, Aaron Hill was linked to the Braves uh, via Nick Cafardo Confar- Nick of, of the Boston Globe. Hill is a guy who could play a little bit of second, a little bit of third base, and also Trevor Plouffe, uh, former Twins infielder, um, also through a Nick a Nick Cafardo report from the Boston Globe. Uh, he's sort, he's sort of a guy who could play who could play everywhere, play a little bit of first, a little bit of third. Um, he'd be more of a third baseman um, guy than a mm-hmm. second baseman guy, like. Obviously, Phillips is more of a pure second baseman, whereas Plouffe would be a third-base target. But either one of those guys impress you at all, or is that something that uh, you, you'd be interested in if, if the cost was reasonable? Uh, Plouffe is interesting just because uh, with with everyone on this list, aside from the guy we haven't talked to, I'm most confident in his bat. But just because he's a corner infield type, uh, that kind of diminishes that a little bit. If he could play second base, I'd be pretty interested. But I don't think he's played a middle infield position since 2012. Uh, I wonder how he would be because, by all the accounts I've I've read, he's a pretty solid defensive third baseman. Did you hear anything uh, opposing that that point of view? Yeah, I mean the numbers were not great this last year, but the two years before that they were positive. You never want to. I don't want to trust purely the defensive stats on the guy that I yeah. haven't watched play a ton of baseball. But uh, yeah, I mean I think he would not be. Uh, he certainly wouldn't be a downgrade on, on Adonis Garcia at third base. Let's just say that. Yeah, Let's just say that. Hard to do. Um, <laughs> it, he's kind of interesting, but he, these two don't really move the needle a whole bunch, a whole lot. I know I've said that a lot here. Um, well, I think no, he'd I mean, be a cheap acquisition and help your depth. But at this point, like, I'm just kind of confused as why the Braves are going after these second base, third base targets because I mean, you've got Jace Peterson, you've got Rodriguez, you've got Rio Ruiz, and uh, Adonis Garcia at third base potentially. I mean. I feel like there's a lot of guys there. Maybe it's just because none of those guys really stand out, and so you want a bunch a bunch more depth pieces and just hope someone has a good year. Maybe that's what they're going for. But um, well, it it could be it could be, and this has to be said. It could be that you know agents look at the Braves and say, all right, this is a team that could conceivably want yeah. another fielder. Uh, none of this stuff could be coming from the Braves at all. Um, there is the one guy who we'll get to uh, next who actually is intriguing but these guys are sort of you know i think if you asked me who was going to be better for 2017 between trevor plouffe and and adonis garcia i would tell you trevor plouffe probably Mm -hmm. but the braves already had the braves already had garcia so it's one of those things where it's not like you could just flip one for the other like you have to pay garcia uh he's under contract so it's not as easy as that um and the braves uh again probably are not competing for the world series in 2017 contrary to popular belief so uh yeah it's it's a spot where Go ahead. The, the Braves would be getting younger by uh, adding Trevor Plouffe, the thirty-year-old Trevor Plouffe, instead of which uh, is Garcia. startling. Yeah, yeah. Another another reminder that Garcia is not a prospect. Anyway. Yeah, he's going to be thirty-two for most of the uh, 2017 season. I'm going to keep saying that till the end of time. Um, <laughs> same thing with same thing with Hector Oliveira. Even pre pre off-field stuff, mm-hmm. Oliveira was not a prospect. When you're talking about a thirty-year-old guy, he was not going to be a prospect. Um, all right, let's get that out of the way. I'll talk about the guy who's actually actually interesting, at least to me, and Brian. And that, his name is Brian Dozier. 
Uh, this is reported by Mike Berardino of the Pioneer Press. He is the, he's the Twins beat writer, so he's plugged in. Dozier is the current second baseman of the Minnesota Twins. Uh, he was awesome last year. He had 40 plus oh, home yeah. runs as a second baseman, which is a, a startling figure. It's a little bit. That's obviously was his, his career best. So worth noting that he probably isn't that guy moving forward. But he's averaged um, something like four wins over replacement over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. He's a good baseball player. And this is an this is a guy who's under contract for two more years as well at a reasonable cost. So, um, thoughts on Brian Dozier? I mean, obviously he'd be blocking presu- presumably Ozzy Albies, but at the same time, wouldn't you probably have to include Albies in a Brian Dozier trade? It's kind of weird. I would imagine. I don't really know who you're giving up um, if you're if you're trying to acquire Dozier. Um, he is more exciting than the other two, obviously. I mean, just had a career year, hit 42 home runs. He's only owed six million next season and nine million uh, in 2018. Um, and that's definitely good. Even if you take away his career year last year, he was something like a 3.4 win player over the last three years prior to that. Um, yeah, he's exciting. Uh, he's been an above average offensive player since 2014. So, I mean, even if you don't think that he's the 546 slugging kind of hitter that he was last year with a 280, what was his ISO? 278 ISO, which is easily a career high. Even if you expect those power numbers to dip, he's still a really good player. Um, three three wins is nothing to scoff at. I would be interested to see what happened uh, if they did acquire him because, I mean, he's not one of those mix-and-match types that an Aaron Hill or a Trevor Plouffe would be. Uh, and it would be interesting to see because, by all accounts, the Braves are really high on Ozzy. I don't know why they would be trying to trade him at this point. Um, and, and like you said, I mean, wouldn't you have to trade him if you're acquiring Dozier? Uh, which makes me wonder if, like, he can play third or if they're thinking about moving someone over to third base. Uh, I don't really know. I don't. I don't really understand all these rumors. I would be surprised if the Braves got Dozier in the first place, but it's exciting, I guess. Yeah, I, I poked around a little bit to some people that I trust more than myself in terms of uh, scouting to see if they thought Dozier could play third base, and it wasn't like they immediately said no. Yeah, uh, a couple people that I asked. So like, you at should least have said, "Hey, can Dozier play third base better than Garcia?" Well, that's that's a given, I think. Like, uh, so there's no problem, right? Just moving there. I don't, I don't want to kill Garcia again, <laughs> but like he's not good. He's not good defensively. That's not really up for debate. So, yeah, I don't know. It's weird in that presumably you have to give up some real assets for Brian Dozier because he's really, really good, and the Twins have him under control for two more years. So it's not like they're trying to just bail on a guy now that they can't afford right away. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, like him being available right now is weird in January. Like, why is their best? You know, he's probably their best player. He's not their best asset, but he was their, he was their best player, their, their best player last year. Yeah. like fairly comfortably. So it's it's a weird spot for Dozier in that um, the Braves could look to upgrade with him. I mean, he'd be the best uh, middle and you know, he'd be the best guy at second or third base, I'd imagine, on the roster immediately. Um, I almost wanted to say non-Freeman infielder, but people that think Swanson's awesome already are going to yell at me if I say that. But it's pretty, pretty comfortable uh, for me to say that Dozier's probably going to be better than Swanson in 2017. Yeah. Um, Still, uh, he's a really good player, and the Braves should be interested in him. It's just whether you want to pay what what it will presumably cost, because I can't imagine it would be a very cheap package considering how good he is. No, I'd be hesitant to buy him. At, like the timing of this is just bad, just because he's coming off that big year, and I imagine the Twins would be trying to sell high. Uh, I mean, they're not competing anytime soon. Before the season started, I I imagine the Twins and the Braves were kind of on the same trajectory as far as rebuilding, but it definitely seems like the Braves want to be a little quicker than Minnesota. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I, I would be surprised. I'd be very surprised if Minnesota actually moved Dozier at this point. But who knows? I mean, does yeah. the power does the power just jump off the page, and you're you don't think that he's going to 
do that again uh, next year because he's had 18 or more home runs since 2013. So he's definitely been a consistent guy, but 42 is, is pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to do that again. But like as you said, like as long as he's, it's, it's not coming out of completely nowhere with with this kind of power. So uh, we'll be, I'll be. Just, I mean, it could it could happen tomorrow. The Braves could trade for Brian Dozier on Monday, and it wouldn't like blow me away. Now that we've seen this reporting, but. I'm skeptical this is going to be actually be a thing that happens, but keep an eye on it. It's something worth talking about because he's the, you know, at, at least at the moment, probably the best player available in baseball for trade. Like that's actually like out there in in, in real rumors. So the Braves being in the mix for him makes it uh, at least interesting to uh, follow and track. Yep. Um, with that in mind, we, t- we talked about a little bit about Sean, Rodri- Sean Rodriguez a second ago, and we have a couple, a couple of mailbag questions. The first one has to do with Sean Rodriguez, so let's get to that now. It comes from our old pal Tim Bostic, who always comes, who it, always Tim. always brings heat to the podcast. Uh, <laughs> he asks, uh, "What are you expecting from Sean Rodriguez? Are you expecting the 1.9 WAR player from with 18 home runs from last year, or the negative WAR player from 2015?" I will ask you this question first, sir. Hmm. Um. Well, I think we should point out really quick that uh, he was a negative WAR player in 2014 and 15. Uh, also, real quick check, the, the 344 BABIP that he had last year is a career high, so I, I would put it somewhere in the middle. Uh, he's had 7.6 war over, what is it, uh, eight seasons, so it's pretty much a little a little less than one per season average for his entire career. I wouldn't expect a, a two-war season again next year. I mean, he hit the ball, he had a slugging percentage that was a lot higher, significantly higher than his career average. Uh, I don't know if that had to do with Park or, or his home, home run to fly ball rate was just astronomical. I haven't looked into it too much, but I don't think he'll be as good as he was in 2016. Uh, I'll say Steamer projects him to be just 0.2. I'll give him 0. 0.7, 0. 0.7 more. It depends. I mean, it depends on how the uh, how many innings he gets for, if we're doing like WAR projections. But no, I don't think he'll be as good of a hitter as he was last year. Yeah, I mean, moving – it really depends on where he plays, as you said. Like, how many at-bats can we project for Sean Rodriguez? Like, I'm on record as saying that if he was your everyday third baseman, he would be your best everyday third baseman. Uh, but some of his value comes from being able to play all over the place. So mm-hmm. um, what kind of role – you know, Brian Sticker does not strike me as the as the most uh, forward-thinking guy in terms of carving out a platoon uh, sort of hybrid role for Rodriguez. So we'll see what he does there. Um, but if he plays – if he takes, if he gets the same amount of at-bats as last year – which I believe was somewhere in the yeah 350 range, like 18 homers is too high. Like I can't imagine he does that again with a 500 slugging percentage. But I think he's a positive player and a pretty decent add. And his his uh his his rotational value and being able to play all over the place is definitely helpful. I just don't I'm not sure that I would project him uh, kind of anywhere near where he was last year. I'll say still still closer to last year than the previous two. I think he's a positive player, but um, not not nearly to the level of uh, almost almost two wins over replacement and only a hundred and only three hundred forty two at bat. That's that's pretty aggressive. Okay, in the seven years prior to two thousand sixteen, uh, Rodriguez was never even an average hitter uh, by WRC plus, which is a stat we use here frequently and probably the the most all encompassing offensive stat that I like to go to. And then out of nowhere, one twenty nine. In 2016, in his 31-year-old season, I'm not really going to buy it too much. So I'll, I'll be a little more negative on Rodriguez than you. But again, I guess it depends on how much he's going to the plate. Yeah, I mean, there's been some stuff out there as to... Um, yeah, I haven't know, looked into it too much, so I, I might be missing something here. But 
Yeah, I mean, there's been some stuff out there with his like with his development, and there was this change in like a, I believe it was his, his leg kick that led to whatever happened mm-hmm. last year. Uh, I don't want to claim to be an expert on what, uh, what 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 tweak was actually made, but there was at least some um, structural change to his swing that could explain some of it. I'm just hesitant always. You know, you give me that that long of a track record of kind of being just an average or below average hitter. Um, for me to sort of think that he's a good, like a legitimately good hitter is going to be tough for me with one, only one year of data, but maybe the leg kick thing or whatever, whatever it was that he tweaked is actually a real thing. And we'll know that soon enough. I think we'll know, uh, fairly, fairly soon in 2017, whether he's actually, going to be that guy, mm. but, uh, I'm hopeful. I mean, I, I like his game. I've always kind of liked this game as someone, I'm always a sucker for guys who can play all over the place. I'm, I'm, I'm always super high on, J- on Jace Peterson compared to other people as well. And it's sort of that same mold of guys who could just play everywhere and kind of fit in and do various things. And, um, I probably overvalue them to be honest, but I, I, I like Sean Rodriguez. All right. Thanks for your question, Tim. For sure. Uh, next one comes from the Jackmeister, which is a tremendous uh, Twitter handle slash name. Um, will we start to see Travis Demerit play third base at some point this year with Dansby and presumably Ozzy Albies locked in to second and shortstop? Does Demerit's glove and or bat play at third base? Uh, I would push back on Ozzy being locked in at second base, but uh, aside from that, what do you think about Demerit? Uh, I've heard that he's a really good defensive second baseman, and I was a little surprised about this just because looking at his profile right when he was acquired, a uh, high-power guy, kind of expected him to be one of those kind of Dan Uggle-mold second baseman, but that doesn't seem to be the case at all. I've heard a lot of really good things about his defense at second base, so I would like to see him stay there. Um, it's worth noting he's played third before as a professional, not very many games. Uh, in 2013, he played 14 games at third base when he was with the Rangers organization, uh, he played three there in 2015, then he had one game there last year. So I think he can definitely play there, but I don't know why you would move him off second base at this point. Uh, I I'd imagine if he came up and when he was ready to bust into the majors, if he was blocked at shortstop or second base and you needed to move him to third, you could. By all accounts, I've heard his arm is strong. Uh, so I don't know why you'd want to do that now, but uh, that's just me. Yeah, I mean, it, people like to like to get like locked into positions and like just think that oh you got Albie so you have to try to move Demerit off and mm-hmm. it's like no I mean there's not really a reason to do that unless they think that his that his glove really plays there you know his his power would definitely play there you would think um, it's just a situation in which people like to just pencil in Albies as the second baseman forever and I push back on that not that not that I don't like Albies but like I think if you value him um, at a high level outside the organization and people think he can play shortstop you could trade him etc so. I don't know. Demerit, he probably could play third base. From what everything I hear is positive with his glove, and um, his arm is probably good enough to play third base. I'm sure he wouldn't be as good defensively at third as he is at second. That's mm-hmm. that's the sacrifice you have to make. And um, more than anything, his his pure hit tool is a question mark. You know, he strikes out a ton. Um, his power is awesome, but like yeah. there's still that question as to whether he's ever going to be able to get on base enough to actually be a real major league asset, even if the power and the power has to play uh, if you are able to, uh, you know, not be a 250 on base guy, which is what he kind of profiles as a possibility of being. Um, so a, a bit of a weird spot for Demerit. I would not be surprised if they tried him at third base at some point just to see if it works because third base is so ugly in the system, as we talked about numerous times. Mm-hmm. Outside, outside of Ruiz, uh, at the high minor level at least, there's not really anything there. So um, wouldn't wouldn't shock me, but uh, it's something to keep an eye on in the future. Yep. Thank you, Jack uh, Meister. Yes, for sure. Uh, last but not least, a question from James. Um, he asks, what non-top 25 prospect – 
do you see as the most likely to drastically improve their ranking during this season? And we really should have had uh, Eric or Garrett or Garov on this I looked at this, this though. I, pre- I prepped. I, I did some prep, and I used our list, uh, our, th- our top 25 list. So I don't want to take anybody from all our list. I had to go off our list. And I, with that said, I'm going to go with Lucas Herbert. Um, he, he, he was in the honorable, honorable mention category on our uh, Talking Shot Prospect list. Uh, I'm a sucker for defensive catchers. I absolutely love defensive catchers, and everybody seems to be in love with uh, with Herbert's uh, glove and arm and all that stuff um, behind the plate. His uh, his bat is lacking. Uh, obviously, last year he had a kind of a disaster year at the plate in Rome. He had a two thirty four on base percentage, which is really really bad. Um, but he's he was only he's only twenty years old right now. Um, he's not going to be twenty one until November, so he's going to play this entire season at twenty years old. The fact that he was in Rome at 19 is pretty aggressive in itself. So I'm hoping that once he's more a little bit more comfortable, probably more in an appropriate level for his bat, that his bat will play more and he'll be able to rise up the rankings just a little bit. Not that he's ever going to be this elite guy, because I, I don't think the bat's ever going to be good enough from what I've seen and what I can what I can state what I can see and read from people that are smarter than I am. I don't think the bat's ever going to be great, but uh, when you when you have receiving skills like that and you and you have an arm like that, I think. Uh, you can rise in a hurry if you just hit even a little bit, and he just didn't hit at all last year. So ho- hopefully, this is a former uh, second-round pick of the Braves. So hopefully, he can uh, sort of recapture whatever made the Braves like him enough to draft him in that spot. That's nice. That was that was extremely in depth, Brad. Well done. Um, mine is going to be that's, underwhelming. That's prep. Carlos. That's prep. <laughs> that is. I prep for everything but this question, apparently. But <laughs> I I did a little research while you were talking, so uh, don't quiz me on what you said. But uh let me go out on a limb i'm pretty sure yeah i'm looking through our our top 25 right now i'm assuming anthony seymour wasn't in our top five so i'm gonna say him uh baseball america said he had the best speed of anyone on the braves he hit him fly man i've seen video of that guy that guy (laughs) motor yeah he's extremely quick uh in three levels or in three yeah across three levels uh 215 games he's a 260 313 312 hitter which is not great for a low level guy i mean the average and on base percentage is okay but the slugging is just terrible so if he were to just have a a year where he improves offensively i mean that that speed is tantalizing and if you can get on base with that kind of speed i feel like your floor like it's easy to improve your floor because you could be some kind of like reserve outfielder a pinch runner type guy so if he can if he can take a step forward offensively, I feel like he's he's got a, a really strong tool to help carry him. Um, Just while while you're talking there, I looked at his MLB pipeline page. Uh, these are his scouting grades. You ready for this? No, I'm not uh, ready for it. <laughs> power power twenty. Got to be a twenty, which is as bad as it gets. Uh, run eighty. Which is true. I mean, I think I, I'm I'm hesitant to give out 80 grades, but from what I can see about this guy, this uh, Seymour can absolutely fly. So that makes a little bit of sense. Uh, his hit tool is a 45, which is not good, but not horrible. Yeah. So that can kind of play if he, if he becomes like a reasonable hitter. You know, his de- his defensive stuff looks okay. A 55 arm, 45 field tool. Um. So yeah, it's basically just power. Just not having any power will always sap <laughs> a little bit of your upside. But uh, if he can get on base at a, at a reasonable rate and just run like the wind, then sure, I can see it. He's young, too. He's only 21. Hey, he had 29 errors at shortstop in 2015. He probably shouldn't play shortstop. He had 42 <laughs> in 1,000 innings in 2016. Yeah, yeah let's, I, let's move him off the position. Well, yeah, it's weird because 
I've re- I've looked at looked at a couple things now since we started talking and like both of them treat his field tool as not not awful like not good but mm-hmm. like if you look at the numbers you would think he's like this disaster so maybe he should just be playing second base or something I don't know it's it's a weird I'm not going to claim to be an expert on Anthony Seymour's defense but um, those are kind of devastating numbers defensively but the the scouting stuff is actually pretty encouraging especially with his arm because I think I mean it seems like his arm's pretty good I don't know it's weird if he could wind up being like a Juan Pierre light in center field that would be awesome but uh no I, I want to see more of this guy because just his run tool is really exciting um and, and definitely take this one with a grain of salt because I don't know too much about him but I want to see him play and uh like I said if you can run that well and figure out how to play center a little bit you, you might be able to get some time as a fourth outfielder defensive replacement pinch runner type guy for sure. Uh, well, we've done 40 minutes in early January, Carlos. That's probably going to be good enough, I, think I would so. imagine, for today. Uh, do you have anything to plug? Uh, other than Matt Whistler piece, which every, everybody should definitely read, do you have anything else coming that we want to know about? Uh, I think I'm going to have to dive into whatever Sean Rodriguez did uh, last season and see if we can yeah, you are. going forward. we got some story ideas off the podcast today. Uh, I'm going to hold you to that, by yeah, the way. I'm going to put should. that in Slack channel right now and just say, hey, Carlos, write about this. <laughs> Once Chris hears about it, I'm basically going to have to write about it. So I guess you can expect that at some point. Uh, I am going to try to do something a little bit more in-depth, kind of analysis-type writing once a week because I want to, and hopefully you guys are interested in that sort of stuff. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Um, definitely check out Eric's, uh, I guess, Eric, Garrett, Garov, all their uh, Road to Atlanta podcast. They debuted that last week. We haven't we haven't touched on that yet. But yeah, I, hit that up for sure. I listened to the first one. It's really good. It is very good. Um, I think they said they're going to be plugging it on the site for a little while, but it, it's a separate entity. But obviously those guys are, are great. They do a great job covering the uh, farm system. And uh, if you ever get tired of my Anthony Seymour scouting reports, you can just go listen to that podcast and actually have a real scouting report on Seymour. Yeah, for sure. Those uh, I always trust those guys more than myself, for sure. I'm on prospect stuff, so check that out. Uh, follow Carlos on Twitter at Carlos A. Colazzo. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roll. Follow the site at Talking Chop. Follow us on Facebook at Talking Chopping. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a five-star review if you can. Uh, that would be really helpful for us. And if you are just normally listening on SoundCloud, go ahead and plug in the subscription to iTunes. That, that will definitely help us to keep growing the show. So I uh, appreciate everybody listening, guys. Uh, Stay with us. We'll be back again next week uh, with, a, with a mid-January podcast. At that point, it'll probably be mid-January, and that'll be a lot of fun. It'll be MLK weekend, and it'll be a celebration. Uh, you won't have me, though. I apologize in advance for that. I will not be. I'm traveling, so it's Carlos' show next week, so yell at him if, if anything goes wrong. And uh, thanks, as always, for listening, guys. Stay tuned for next week. <laughs>